Welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why and how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for lending me those ears. And if you're watching me on YouTube or any video platform, thank you for lending me those eyeballs. I have with me the great Mark Hunter, also known as Mark the Sales Hunter. Mark, welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast. Hey, welcome to the show. I don't have a cup of coffee in front of me, but you know what? With an intro like that, I don't need it because we are both going to rev it up here today. Dude, we are going to go, go, go. Uh, you know, Mark, how did we meet, by the way? I, I forgot. You know what? I, we've known each other for years, but I think we, we met by way of Gearhard, Schwantner, I have a feeling. I don't know. We Somewhere along the line, we just got talking. Yeah. And, uh, we didn't actually physically meet until you showed up at an outbound event we were doing a few years ago. And then, of course, you joined us the year the year after that. So and you're part of the team. So, hey, you know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I remember I remember I showed up. I wanted to meet you guys personally because Jeb Blunt, Anthony, I'd not met either. Uh, So it was really a Mike Weinberg. Uh, It was really good to go there early. I just really wanted to stop by and say hi. Oh, no. Yeah, no, you can stop by and say hi anytime. Thank you, Matt. That's a cool event. By the way, if you don't know about Outbound, go to, what is it, Outbound.com or OutboundConference.com? OutboundConference.com. Yep. We got the, uh, so we're set for May, correct? Set, for May, of, set for May of 21. And uh, right. I, I guess we, we have an appointment with uh, coronavirus, but that will work itself out. So, you know. Yeah. Hopefully we'll work it. I think we're going to do a blend yeah. of that. So I'm looking forward to that event. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of great speakers again, so you have to be there. But I want to talk about Mark Hunter. Mark, how did you get into sales? I mean, where, where, where did you start? When, when did you have your sales epiphany? Well, you know, I, I, I think to a certain degree, I had sales in my blood as a little kid, you know, the Kool-Aid stands and so forth. But, but I really didn't get into sales until the police department changed my uh, direction. Um, by the way, pause to- there. By, by the way, pause there. Tell me that isn't a great teaser right there. Tell me that was oh, not yeah. a great teaser. He just set that up. Go ahead, Mark. I didn't mean yeah, to interrupt. Yeah, Go yeah. ahead. That's a great teaser. <laughs> and I talked about it in my book, A Mind for Sales, because I, I went to college to get a degree in marketing. And, you know, because that was a kind of a cool degree to get back then and so forth. And what happened was I uh, had a few too many incidents with the police department, uh, namely speeding tickets. And then nobody was hurt. Nobody was harmed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I got too many speeding tickets my senior year of college, which meant I couldn't afford car insurance. Mm. Either, it was either you can afford car insurance or you can afford a place to live. Right. So what happened was I had to find a job that supplied me with a company car. That's how I wound up in sales. Is that good your motivation? Or no, that is look, motivation. The, I, I've heard different stories of how people got in sales. That does not sound strange at all. So you needed a car, so you started selling. So what was the first job? What was the actual product or service you were selling? Sides of beef. <laughs> I on. said it right there. Sides of beef. That's what I was selling. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I had, I can't remember if it was a Buick or a Pontiac, but it was a white car. It was a white car. And that was, mm-hmm. that's all I needed, man. You know what? I was so, so good. I, I was so good at that job. I got fired from it. Go on. <laughs> yes, I did. I got, I got fired from that job. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, so it's okay. I got a different job. Uh, Why, why'd you get fired, by the way? Why'd you get fired? I, well, actually, what, what had happened was it was a family-owned company, and one of the kids wanted m- my job. So, you know, it mm. was, you know, uh, was I performing? No, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, so anyway, so yeah. So that, that's, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in that job, not to, not to reflect on that one, but I, th- I think it's always interesting, right? Your, your original contact with sales or your experience with sales really starts to form you in many ways. Looking back at that job putting nepotism aside, you know, what would you have done differently? Well, yeah, because I was approaching it totally wrong. I thought, I thought what I was doing was selling sides of beef and no, what I was really doing was I was helping restaurants succeed. I was helping stores succeed. I was helping. See, my, my focus was totally on my product. My focus wasn't on the outcome of how I was going to help the customer. And it took me a couple of jobs for that to kind of, for that light bulb to go off. To realize, you know, this is the why, you know, you, you start off your podcast, you start off your show is talking about the why, you know, the why is why do we do what we do? It's to help other people. You see, I had this view that that the customer was kind of like a bowling pin. 
my objective was just to knock them down as quickly as possible, take their money and run and go to the next set of bowling pins. And that's not exactly the way you build a um, sustainable business. It just doesn't work that way. It, it's funny how a lot of people who want to get into sales, you get the question, I'm sure, a lot because, you know, you do a lot of, you know, training. Uh, and I'm always asked the question, Victor, how can I get better at sales? And I always say, well, look at it from the customer's point of view. Be empathetic first. And I think, you know, I, that one and, you know, I've, the other question I hate getting is, is, Victor, how can I be authentic you know, makes me laugh inside because I'm like, don't be inauthentic. There you go. There's your answer. As you moved on to your second job, what was your second job in selling? My uh, second job was with Pillsbury. Uh, no, I was not the Pillsbury Doughboy. Sorry, you can put that joke aside. Um, but basically what I had was I had a territory that consisted of Southern uh, Oregon, Eastern Oregon. It was a massive territory. And um, I was selling Pillsbury products to grocery stores, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, what's funny. I got mm-hmm. fired from that job too. Oh, Hey dude, how's that? Okay. Two for now, two, two for two. two, two for two. Now, now, now I, I get back. What happened was the company was downsizing. I mean, yeah, my, my numbers were, my numbers were doing pretty good, but the company was downsizing. So they eliminated the whole, you know, the whole sales force. Now, what was your big takeaway with the Pillsbury company? Well, the Pillsbury was where it began. Then, then I began really understanding time management because I had such a massive territory. And again, I talk about it in my book. I had a territory that was, that was, uh, it was huge, uh, terms of square miles and the amount of time I spent driving. So I really learned time management. How do you organize your day? How do you, how do you optimize where you're going to spend your time? That has stuck with me. Give me, give me, give me one uh, technique or strategy that you use to manage your time. Help out the listeners or the viewers. Well, yeah. Well, one of the whole things is you you have to take a look. In fact, this morning, I mean, I, I I'm looking at the outcomes I expect, and I go, what is the item that's going to achieve the highest dollar revenue, the most potential for my business? That's going to be my focus for the day, and and that's a question you have to ask yourself each day because it's easy for us to get out. Oh, let me check email. And two hours later, you're still digging through email or you're responding to this, you're responding to that. And you go, no, your focus is what is the highest revenue activity? And, you know, you and I are in the same business. We're kind of solopreneurs. And so you got to sit there and say, what's your focus? And you. Okay. So, so for it. you this morning, just to let's make this concrete so people can yeah. really. So this morning, what was your, you got your outcome. Right. Only if you could share the information. What, what sure. was your. Most people use high leverage activity. You use high revenue activity, which I kind of like, actually. What was like your outcome that you said, I need to get this done because this is the activity. This is the activity I need to do in order to get that done. What was that? Well, yeah, because, okay, I have a client project that I'm working on that is going very well, but I want to accelerate it even more because I want to make sure that we can wrap this up before the end of the year. There's a lot of deliverables in it. And I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute. Now, I can just carry on and keep going. No. No, let's focus some stuff. There were some other lower revenue activities that you know what? Yeah, they're on the priority list. They're on, but you know what? I'm going to move them back. I'll get to them later on today. But my first thing after dealing with Victor Antonio mm-hmm. is zeroing in on that. I love that. Do Do you remember the uh, the first time I was impacted by sequence? What you do first versus what you do second was that. Old analogy with the with the big bowl. Remember the bat with the bowl with yeah. the rocks. Yes, and right, put, right. That that whole thing. Okay, so walk, mean, walk people. Th- by, by the way, walk people through that in case they don't know what it well, is. Well, if you don't know, in, in the book, uh, 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 Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He he talks about having the jar, and you have big rocks that you put in, and then you have smaller rocks, and you have sand. And what happens is the only way you can get all this stuff in the jar is if you put the rocks in first. You've got to put the big stuff in first because then all the pebbles, all that, all the sand will fill in around it. And that's a concept that unfortunately, too many salespeople allow email to move them in a different direction or social media to move them in a different direction. Yeah, the way it was demonstrated to me, it was like, you know, the the speaker got on stage and says, all right, uh, puts the rocks in, does anything else fit? 
I remember the audience was like, I, nah, I don't know. Then he puts them in some like, like kind of bigger stones, but not mm-hmm. boulders, right? And then he puts it, is that it? Do you think anything else will fit? Then he did the actual rocks, like pebbles, right? And then he says, is that it? He goes, and then, then he threw in sand, right? So it fell in the crevices. And he goes, is that it? And everybody's like, okay, I think that's it. Then he put in water. And he totally filled the whole thing up. And th- that visual stuck with me, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, when, when you look at visuals like that, do any visuals come to your mind that you use in your sales process that when you use that visual, people go, oh, I get it. Do you have anything like that? Well, yeah. The visual I like to use is is two by four. No, no, no don't, don't, don't take a two by four to your head. I'm not recommending that to anybody. But look at your day as if it's a two by four. The idea being is that you take your day and you break it into four two-hour segments. And you hold yourself accountable for each two-hour segment. So I kind of the visual I create is what's my two by four today? What's my two by? I know if I spend two hours on this high revenue project I'm working on day, I will nail it. I'll be good. And you know what? I'll feel much better when I move on to my next one, my next one, my next one, but yeah. break it down. But- now, now, if you're really ADD, then you go, okay, I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to do a one by eight or a one by 12. <laughs> you know, you're going to break into 12 one hour segments, <laughs> but you know, that's up to you. That's up to you to choose. I was going to ask you, because we're going to get to your book, Mind for Sales. I'm moving in a direction here because I'm trying to pull some stuff out of you. The I'm going to be, I'm going to play devil's advocate right now with you, okay? And I'm going to say, Mark, but, you know, that, that deal you're working on, there's so many deliverables that you have to deliver, let's say, by mid-December. You know, you know how do you know you're going to win it? I mean, is, is it worth investing your time? Maybe it's going to be a waste of time. What would you say to somebody who has that mindset? Well, the mindset is I don't go into anything losing it. Now, on this particular project, I, I've, we're engaged. We have, we have everything rolling in. I'm just trying to make sure we accelerate all the revenue. We, we accelerate everything. You can't go into any project. You can't go into any project thinking, oh, I'm not going to get this. If you do, that's how you wind up losing. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't care what team you are. You don't take the field saying we're going to lose. You take the field assuming you're going to win. It just changes. First of all, do customers want to work with losers? No. Come on. They want to work with winners. So I treat every prospect. In fact, it's funny. I'll be making, I'll be making some calls this afternoon, some sales calls this afternoon, following up on some things. I treat every prospect as if they're a customer. You treat them as if you're a customer. And it just changes your mindset. It changes everything. And I think, you know, a lot of people have call reluctance, or in this case, deal reluctance. It's almost like they talk themselves out of a deal sometimes. Like even before they get on the phone, they talk themselves out of a deal. So before we get into your book, Mind for Sales. So now you've just left the Pillsbury Company. First, side of beef, you learned how to empathize with your clients. Number two, you went to Pillsbury. Now we learned some time management skills. Where do we go? For, you've been fired twice. Please don't tell me you got fired three times. Where'd you go next? No, I didn't, but I thought I was. I, I went to a company that what is now is called Heinz Craft. I was with, at that time, it was General Foods uh, Craft. And uh, I spent 12 years with them. Had an absolutely unbelievable run at that career, managing massive organizations, managing the West Coast, ma- managing large, large areas of business. Uh, so wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. How did you go from sales getting fired twice to managing large sales force? Because I'm good. Because I'm good. I can talk <laughs> I my that. way in. I can talk my way in. No, you know what though? You know, we, we learn from our mistakes. We learn. I, 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 the light bulb was kicking. The light bulb was getting brighter. I knew I could do this. And sometimes what happens is the ability to lead salespeople, the ability to lead an organization, it really is developed through the empathy that you have. And, and if you've walked in those shoes, you understand the, the challenges those people have faced. You know, one of the easiest things for me to do, this is really scary, is to actually fire somebody. Hmm. Because unfortunately, I've been, I've been terminated. And over the years, I've had to fire so many people. But you know what's interesting? Every time I got fired, I, I landed on my feet. I turned out better. See, right. and, and so many managers, I, I was dealing with a VP of sales yesterday, and he was struggling with, with terminating a couple of key managers in. And I said, don't put this off any longer. The sooner you do it, the sooner they move on to better things, and the better off you are. So, I mean, I love I, that. 
By the way, we all know, right? Higher, slow, fire, fast. But you, you, you didn't answer my question. So you just left Pillsbury. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You go to Heinz Craft. Yeah. yeah. You're coming in as a salesperson yeah. at a sales level, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Walk me through, you know, because there's that transition, right, to management. Right. What did you do differently? What did you start doing there that you hadn't done that eventually got you promoted? Well, over a period of 12 years, we moved about eight times around the country and so forth. What I learned was don't try to master every element of your job at one time. Master one small segment of it. Here's the whole thing. Too many people go into a job, they go into a situation, and what they do is they they try to get their arms wrapped around everything, and you can't. You just can't. So what I learned was I said, I'm going to focus in on this very specific customer, and I'm going to I'm going to nail this customer, and this may take me a month, then I'm going to move on to the next customer. I move on. And and you work your way through to because here's the whole thing. But wait a minute, wait a minute, because yeah. you're getting some good here. I don't want to skip the good yeah. stuff. This is like, yeah. Here's what I here's what I've learned. A lot of people just skip over the stuff because they know it so well. Yeah, yeah. But the listeners, right. but the listeners going, how? But how? Right. Okay. So right. Okay. So, so so you got probably a territory with a portfolio of potential customers. Correct? Right. 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 And so you then decided, and I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, and you adjust me. Then you decide, so you know what? If I can nail these five or ten clients, really get close to them, and understand them. I know that I can make this territory work. Is that a fair statement? That's exactly. And then what I did was I say, okay, the, these are the accounts that I'm going to really dial down on. But hold it, hold it. I'm going to really dial down on this one first. This one first. I want to learn every key player in that organization. I want to learn their business objectives. I want to learn their strategies. I want them to see me as a strategic expert. I want them to see me as a partner they have to have. Now, what's interesting is when you drill down on that. Now, I'm not ignoring the others. But I'm just spending a whole lot more time with that one. What does it do? It increases your level of confidence, increases your level of knowledge, and you get insights that go way beyond. So, boom, I master that one. Then I say, now I can take that and I can do it with this one. And I do. And, and ultimately, what happens is you begin picking up speed because now what you're able to do is you're able to get in deeper and really penetrate faster because of all this knowledge, all this experience, all this confidence that you're bringing in from preceding accounts. And so I, 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 love I that. strongly suggest take a very focused approach. Really, if you think about it, it's the 80-20 rule on steroids because you're taking 80-20 and then you're doing it again and you're doing it again. Hmm. What, I, what I love about what you just said, and again, I, I, for us, it's intuitively obvious because we've been through it. But people who are starting out in sales go, I don't get it. You, it, when you went to this third company, Heinz Craft, it's interesting how you use empathy, which you learned on the first job, right? Because now you, you want to understand the customer's business, like really dig deep, as you say, right? right. Then, too, you learned at, at the other company, the second company, Pillsbury, time management. And then you use that to prioritize your accounts in, this, in Heinz Craft. But what I love what you said is that you dig in deep, you understand your customer, you understand their business problems, and then you said something real subtle but very powerful. That builds your confidence. Bingo. And then, and then, then that 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 accumulation effect starts to really kick in, which is you you as you say, you begin to take your experience to the next company, and you feel that momentum. And what's interesting is now I can pick up the phone, I can call people much further up the food chain, and I got no problems with it. I can have a conversation with them, and oh, because I could bring them insights, they'll have a meeting with me. You see, what happens is it moves me. I'm no longer a vendor. I'm the strategic partner that they want to work with. What, what if I push back on you, Mark? Let me push back a little sure. bit. And because I'm, I'm, I'm being the pessimist or the skeptic right now, listening, going, yeah, but Mark, you know what? Today, it's very difficult to understand the company's business. Sometimes it's hard to meet with people. And sometimes it's hard to understand, you know, the business really. So, I, you know, I find that impossible. It's easier than ever now. I was doing this back before the internet, back before all this other stuff. I mean, I had to physically pick up the, right, right? excuse me. Uh, you know, we won't go into this age business. We will leave that alone. Oh, by the way, is that an AARP envelope on, on your desk? Okay, no. okay. Anyway, um, but it's easier today because of social media, because of the internet, all this sort of stuff. It is, there is no reason for any salesperson not to be going deeper with their accounts than ever before. There is no reason. I agree. Th I agree. Not, we can't live in a superficial. If you want to live in a superficial sales world, you will be replaced by Amazon. Yeah. 
By the way, that, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, you and I get these, I'm going to call them stupid emails or messages, let's say, let's say on LinkedIn, where they don't even look. I had one, again, my, the most popular one I get is, Victor, came across your, your profile, would really love to talk to you about you know, you and your business, would love to learn more about your business. I'm like, well, read the, read the damn profile. You know, I got a whole website around what I do. It's so lazy, Mark. People are, salespeople are so lazy. They're going for quantity, not quality. What do you say? I, I totally agree. This is where, I mean, I, I would much rather have, my whole objective is I want to be able to qualify prospects quickly. And oh, by the way, they're a suspect until you're in the right to be a prospect. My whole goal is really to have fewer prospects, but ones I can go deeper with. That's how I create real value. Now, it's funny. I, I was with an organization a week ago, an industrial sales team, actually doing a live in-person engagement. And it was absolutely outstanding. And as I shared that, I was looking right at the VP of sales and the CEO who happened to be in the room. And man, they were like, uh oh, you just said something we, we, we can't do. Well, then I walked them through and they go, Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. That makes all the sense in the world. Right. Because here's the whole thing. If all I have is a superficial relationship, it is going to be sold on price. If it's going to be sold at all. And I'm going to wind up maybe getting a single sale, but I'll never create a customer. You see, I don't want, see, a single sale does not create a customer. A relationship creates a customer because every, the only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. By the way, I, you know, I agree with you a hundred percent and I would add a little flavor on that. You tell me if you agree. We often think that relationship is about, Hey, how are you doing? Are those your kids? Is that your, is that your hobby? That's not a relationship. That's you're trying to build some rapport. I get it, but you're wasting their time. I think as a relationship is a result of a great, insightful conversation with the salesperson. That is that is without a doubt. And here's the the, the mark of a relationship: is will the other person share with you proprietary information that's not known publicly? Okay, because think about this: they're not going to do that unless they have a level of confidence with you. A a relationship is one where they ask you questions that go beyond what you do, what you what you sell, what you because again, they value your intellect. A relationship is one where they introduce you to other people. Why? Because they value your network. Think about what I just said there. Those are three powerful strategies that you need to be doing. Anybody listening, anybody watching this needs to be doing to say, hey. Do I have relationships at that level? Or are they just, hey, how are your kids today? Right. Very shallow. Hey, Mark, what do you think, you know, in your book, maybe it was in your book, Mind for Sales. But before we get into the book, the, you know, what do you think is your like sales superpower? I know it sounds like a corny question, but here's what I mean by it. There, there, there is something that you're very good at, some aspect of selling that you're very good at that, you know, say, Victor, I do this well. And because I do this well, it ripples into other things. That's what I mean by your sales superpower. And more like, what is that you think you do well that I think really it, helps you? I think it's just my, my infectious attitude and energy I take to every conversation. Okay. That's it. That's, that's, that's all it is. And I hate to say that because I, I shouldn't have to say it. I would hope that people kind of see it in kind of how I, how I work, how I operate. But I believe that my infectious personality – uh, engaging brings people into the conversation. And when you're in the conversation, it's amazing how much more you share. It's amazing mm -hmm. how much more, because at the end of the day, what we have to be doing is we have to sit there and say, how do we uncover the real needs? I, I always say, I got to go three levels deep with any conversation. You know, the initial comment that a suspect, not a prospect, a suspect will share with you. You can throw that information away. I got I to gotta ask a question that probes down deeper. Okay, so that's my first level. They share with me something. It's great. Then I'm, I got to probe that down even further. And then I've got to check that by going even deeper. I got to get three levels deep. This is how I really understand what my needs are. And oh, by the way, many times the customer doesn't even know what their needs are until you start asking the questions, creating the conversation. And then they begin to paint this picture. They go, oh, wow, 
I do need this. I wow, this would work. But it's a, and, and then w- when the customer when the customer leads the discussion, this is the thing. people always say, oh, salesperson's got to lead the discussion. I don't think so. The confident salesperson is allowing the it allows the customer to kind of steer, so to speak. Nope. Customer, the salesperson will bring it back around. They'll bring it back around, but I don't know. They, they, they got it. Yeah. Well, I like what you said. So, so peeling back the layers of what you just said for your sales superpower, because it's it's really a always a an aggregation of skills. And so the first one is obviously that energy you bring, right? That enthusiasm. Yeah. Because I, by the way, I, I've known you long enough where it's not fake enthusiasm. You're like you're like that glass the glass half full guy. Well, thank you. Know, you. you can, thank you. You could walk. You could walk into a room, and they're like, oh, "I don't know if we could do that." And you're like, "What do you mean we can't do that? Of course we can do that." You know, and you, then you're going to show them how to do it. The second thing you said is that you have great questioning skills because you don't mind doing the whole inception thing and going three levels deep, right? To figure out what is it, and it's the ability to ask those quality questions. Also, you said you also said it's the the, the quality of the conversations, right? Because it's not an, an interrogation; it's a conversation. And then the last part I thought was interesting is that you just got to shut up and listen sometimes, and let them do all the talking, because they'll tell you what you want if you just ask great questions. And so. This pivots to, you know, the opposite of the question about superpowers. Why do you think salespeople fail? I mean, it could be for the exact same reasons we've just talked about why people succeed or yourself. But, you know, you've surveyed, you went in a leadership position over, you know, over at Heinz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, why why do some people just not not get it, not make it in sales? Because they're not willing to make the commitment and stay focused long enough. This is one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges is a squirrel, squirrel. Hey, people don't stay full. Sales, mm-hmm. if sales was easy, it wouldn't pay as well as it does. You know, right? I mean, that's a pretty basic. I, by the way, it, it kills me all the time when people say, you know, sales is hard. Well, yeah, of course it's hard. If it was easy, you wouldn't need it. You wouldn't have a job. Yeah, thank that's, that's exactly the piece. So, but what you have to be able to stay in the game. And unfortunately, we as a society are soft. We hear the word no. Oh, no, I will, I, I'm scared. I'm scared. And hold it. I come back this whole piece. If you have the ability to help somebody, it is your responsibility to get in front of them. And if that means disturbing them, that means disturbing them. But if you have the ability to help them, you know you need to do that. Do it. I agree. I, I think sometimes salespeople don't know. No, I don't think. I know that the majority of salespeople don't understand or believe in the value of what they're selling. Because if you believe in the value of what you're selling, you're going to say, you need to listen to me. I got something good for you, right? But you yeah. said something interesting, that you need to stay in the game. So so let's talk about your book, A Mind for Sales. You know, how do you as a salesperson, you know, you've thrown a lot of stuff on here on this podcast already, but how do you stay in the game? I, You know, sales are not going right, you know, you know, give me some strategies and maybe some tactics that I can use because things aren't going my way, Mark. You know, I just lost the deal here. You know, my boss wants me to do more, gave me bigger territory. You know, I just uh, help me out, Mark. First thing I want you to do is I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to make two columns on the left hand side. I want you to write down all of the customers that you've had the privilege to sell to. And when I want you on the right hand side, I don't want you to write down what you sold them, but I want you to write down the outcome that you helped them achieve. What was the outcome that you helped them achieve? You write that down. You get done with that list and you give yourself a big hug. You go, mm, I'm beautiful. I'm wonderful. That is what you are selling. That's what you're doing. You see, people get hung up. Well, if we would just lower our price or we just had a decent product, it's not, it's not the product. It's the outcome you create. Please, people. So that, by the way, that's a, that's a great that's a great exercise. By the way, and, and, you it's know, huge. And so let, let's so, so so let's peel it back and and you highlight this in the book, right? I highlight this in the book, and I say, right. and, and you keep that right by your phone. You keep that right by your computer because there are times during the day that you go, oh, I just got rejected. Look at that list. Wow. Right, and then when you look at the list, here's 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 what I I I think is cool. When I first saw this, you look at the outcome, right? And some people just put a generic outcome, help them increase revenue, reduce costs. Yeah, you know where I'm going already. Why don't you finish my thought process? Well, it's getting very specific. How? How did they reduce? Oh, because they were able to increase revenue because they were able to do this more efficiently. They were able to reduce. You got to get very, very granular. And you know what this does? This now begins to help you understand, hmm, that's interesting. If I did that for one customer, 
I bet I could do that for somebody else. And it begins to, to really help you paint the picture of the questions that you need to be asking. And it's amazing how when you start kind of backwards, the outcome, and you work your wow. It's amazing. It's like you revert, you re- reverse engineer everything. And basically, once you know what the outcome is, you can generate the questions at the beginning. But I want to dig just one more layer on this because this is really yeah. good. As you're highlighting, when you look at the outcome, yeah, I helped them increase revenue. Let's you and I walk to a hypothetical company yeah. we just helped. Yeah. We, we just sold the ABC company right. some software product, right? Right. Right. So let's you and I just kind of hypothetically okay. think out loud. How did we help them? Okay. Uh, I'll go first and you go second. We'll trade. Uh, we helped them increase revenue. What else? Because do we do? they were able to close two additional deals with three additional customers. Right. So, and because they closed two additional deals with three additional customers, what does that mean to their bottom line and their market share? They were able to now create a deeper relationship, which will allow them to expand into a new channel. And then I would also say, by the way, the fact that we sold means our company is more stable. Their company is more stable because they were to sell more effectively. Because they're more stable, they're going to keep more people employed. In fact, hire more people. So we're now adding to the economy through the help our product that helped the company sell more. I mean, you could really go into this. This, and- this Doesn't that get you excited? I mean, as you go through this exercise, yes. it starts to get you jazzed. And I don't know how you sell two additional deals to three additional customers. I, I, I don't know if you caught that, but anyway, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I, I knew what you meant. The, but, <laughs> but, 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 but the thing is, the, the, if, you were to, if you don't know what the outcome is, or if you have a very shallow view of what the outcome is, we just help them increase revenue or reduce costs, you can say, well, what did that cost reduction allow you to do? And you ask the customer this. Well, this allowed us to hire more people, buy more capital assets, do all this, and now we can do this. We ramped up our production, does this, this. And as you pointed out, Mark, that's the stuff you take with you to your next sales call. That is exactly. I'll give you an example. I was working with a company yesterday. It's it's a consulting client I have. It's a smaller consulting client. And working with the VP of sales, he's presenting today to the CEO, the business plan and the board. And one of the things, we, you know, he brought me in for a consulting fee is I showed him a way that he's going to be able to, with the same headcount, reallocate his salespeople and really develop a new channel. Now, that's a huge outcome that I was able to create for him based off of my consulting. Was he buying consulting? No, he was buying an outcome. Oh, by the way, he gets into a new channel. He's able to develop X amount of business next year. Does that increase my value? Sure, it increases my value. Right. But it also increases, obviously, the company's value. But understanding that whole accumulation, it's a ripple effect. Your outcome column is really an outcome ripple effect. You got the outcome. There might be even a third one. By the way, what are the derivatives of that outcome? Oh Which yeah. Probably add, oh yeah. You, yeah. And in my in my book, I talk about this where where I, I talk I, I give I walk through several examples of companies that I've had the privilege to work with. And when you go through and, and, and the examples just wow. Give just me one. Give me one. Well, give me one of those well, companies. This happened to be a software company and they were going to do an upgrade and the sales force just wasn't buying into it. The sales force was not buying into the upgrade, right? I mean, how how many times have has a sales force been, okay, here's the upgrade, we got to go out and sell. And when we began walking through all of the previous outcomes being able to achieve, achieve with the other upgrade, and then just like you said, the derivatives that go all the way through, suddenly the sales force said, wow. This is going to be big because it really builds on what we already achieved. Yeah. See, so, I mean, it's, it's a great exercise. It's a terrific exercise for any salesperson to take themselves through and sales manager, take your team, take your team through it in a sales meeting. By the way, that was a great sales strategy right there. Uh, And I'm sure you positioned this way, positioned it this way that it already builds uh, what you've already done. There you go. That was, that's, re- reduce, I, that was real subtle the way Mark said that. Well, I'm just see, telling because, you, that's powerful. That's strong. About this, because what we had done was we took the previous one and we look at, looked at the outcomes, the derivatives, and said, this is just going to build on that and allow it to go even further. But see, if we had not known and really studied the previous outcomes, the sales force never would have bought into it to the right. newest upgrade. Yeah, it's amazing. So in your book, A Mind for Sales, walk me through, walk the audience through, you know, what's in the book and then what was the motivation for writing it? 
The, the motivation for writing it came down to one very simple thing. I wrote the book, High Profit Selling. That was my first book, really about how to maximize, how to maximize price. Then people said, well, that's great, but I can't prospect. So then I wrote High Profit Prospecting, which is a prescriptive book, kind of geared more for the longer sale, more complex sale. And then people, oh, that's great. But then people said, man, I'm just not, I'm just, you gave me all the scripts. You gave me everything because it's all in the book. Uh, they didn't have the motivation. So that's when I wrote A Mind for Sales, which really is a little bit my journey in sales. This is where I talk about, I talk about my college days when I was not going to go into sales and how I didn't want to go into sales. But I wound up into it and how I found I love sales. So I and, and, and I walk you through how do you frame yourself? How do you frame the day? How do you set up the day? I talk about in the group the value of your three most valuable assets. It's your time, your mind and your network. And I have a chapter dedicated to each one on your time. I have a chapter dedicated to your mind. I have a chapter de dedicated to your network. I take network and I break it down into several different tiers in terms of different levels of people that you need to have in each one of your levels. I also talk in, in there about your goals. And one of the things I challenge people is, what's your 25-year goal? Now, salespeople don't normally, well, they're, they're, they're just, they just want to get to the end of the quarter, the end of the month. I'm saying as a salesperson, what's your 25-year goal? Because if you are not professionally, mentally growing, your customers will pick up on it very quickly. You see, I want every salesperson to have a hunger to learn every day. Every day they're learning. You know what's interesting? When you're out there with a hunger to learn, and I know you are, you do this all the time. You do this well because you're a master at saying, what can I pick up? What ideas can I pick up? Your customers pick up on it. And what does it do? It feeds the machine. Feeds you. I agree. By the way, I, uh, by the way, I just love that last part. It feeds the, the client, feeds the machine, so, but it feeds you because part of that is growing. You know, you mentioned something. I mean, we're, we're all reluctant salespeople. So if you listen to this saying, I'm not a natural salesperson, welcome to the club. You know, uh, I think if, if my high school, my high school friends, when they see me today, like what happened to the introvert? We always knew. Hey, and hey, I was hey like, bingo, bingo. I know you, you got a degree in electrical engineering. I mean, yep. you are you are the smartest kid in the room. That's why I like hanging out with you because I, I always like to hang out in the room where I'm not the smartest person with you. I don't oh, have to worry about that. I got I got a 2.63, man. I barely got through college, man. I was I was really fight I clawed my way through college. But hey, uh, I, I made the upper half of my class possible. I'm just gonna okay. leave it that, okay. <laughs> when when you were writing a book, the book, uh, a mind for sales, you know, what was what was you know, like an epiphany that you had. You know how sometimes we, as authors, we have ideas in our heads, but when we write, as you're writing, you're like, oh, I see something I didn't see before. Anything like that. Yeah, the epiphany was, let me come out. Let my personality, I've had more people say, as they read the book, man, I felt like I was sitting right next to you. You were reading me the book. I I, I just felt, well, I did do the, no, <laughs> you know. um, I, I felt that because I tell so many personal stories and they, as a result, they said, I connected with you. I must get a phone call or an email every day from somebody. And that was an epiphany that I said, we can really be, we can expose a lot more of ourselves in sales. I, I, you yeah. know, I agree with that, Mark. I, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point because, if you're a salesperson struggling, a lot of times we're struggling because we're trying to implement somebody else's strategy, somebody else's way and do it somebody else's using somebody else's method. And it isn't until I always say the toughest road to success is the road back to you. Oh, and by that and, and by that, I mean, is that, well, you know what I mean? It's, it's like you got to, as you say, you let some of yourself out and let all yourself out and sell the way you sell. Be a professional, of course, but sell the way you sell and feel natural about it. And so you, as you went through that, that start, you started, by the way, was that scary? Yeah, it was. It, it wasn't natural. It, it was, I had hired a new assistant and uh, she was the one who pushed me in that direction. And I, I was really uncomfortable because I'm just not one to run around and, and brag on. I, I, to me, that just, you know, again, I, my mom always told me, don't brag about yourself, you know, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and no, I, it's not a brag, but, you know, I would tell some of the challenges I had, some of the issues I had. And, um, 
Yeah, it was it was hard. It was hard kind of exposing some of that. It was funny. Uh, my own kids um, read the intro in the first couple chapters and they said, Dad, you really did that in college? You know, it's like because they had not heard some of those stories. So, oh, that's so cool. That's cool. You know, it, it's funny how because I had this moment, I think it was like 2005 or something where I changed my presentation style because I was doing it somebody else's way. And I remember doing the event and it was so scary. Right. I, was do- I was about to launch my way. And the, the feedback was just phenomenal because it, it felt more authentic to the audience. And so I just really, I, I, Mark and I want to drive that point home. You have to be your authentic self. Be a professional. Layer something on top of that, Mark. Well, because it, it, it allows you to be more confident. And when you're more confident, you're willing to ask deeper questions. You're willing to, add, you're willing to have a more meaningful conversation. Anytime I'm trying to do something else, I, you know, I, I, I'm not in my own skin. I'm stressed out. Again, again, like you said, I mean, but when you're you, it's amazing how comfortable you are. It's amazing how relaxed you are. You hear better. You listen so much better, which what does that allow you to do? It allows you to ask better questions. And because you're being you, now, unless you're the weird aunt or the crazy uncle, we're all okay. Now, I see two people watching this right now. I need to call you afterwards. I'll reach out to you later. But anyway, the, the whole deal here is that the other person picks up on it. It's amazing. I'll have people call me and, uh, you know, and, and they're calling, they're inquiring about something. And I have, and I go, man, this is, this is a great, yeah. My objective is to make you feel comfortable on the phone as fast as possible. And you can't do that if you're uncomfortable. That's what I like what you just said. But it's, it's so, I know it's intuitively obvious, but we struggle with that because, you know, we got these scripts in our head. These scripts of what we should and should not do, like your, like your, like your, like your parents telling you, don't brag on yourself, right? My favorite one is, you know, don't interrupt adults while they're talking. Well, that's, that's sales. You know what I mean? And so we all, the thing is, what happens is we have all these scripts and it's hard to delete them because that's what you're doing. When you go back to your authentic self, you're basically negating the script. You a are, lot of it. You are just being you and letting your yeah. personality come through. Now you got to put boundaries on it. Let's let's yeah. let's do it with integrity. Let's do it with moral values and so forth. But again, I would we don't have to talk about that to any of the listeners here. You get that already. But what I'm no, saying, you be a bit, no. I, by the way, no, no. I, I'm saying no. We have to remind people, Mark. I think it's I, you know the reason the reason I asked you about, and I'm glad you said that was a, one of the big epiphanies from the book is that you let go. Because I think that is one of the biggest obstacles to success in general. By the way, yeah. when I say success, let me define it. The, in sales, it's the ability to have these authentic conversations. And you laid out that whole connective tissue. When you're yourself, you're more confident. When you're more confident, you ask more questions. You're more curious. You feel good about yourself. The other person feels good. I mean, there's that whole connection right there. Uh, w- without a doubt. I mean, I think it's the reason you and I click. I mean, like we're having this conversation and we already said beforehand, man, we, we could talk for hours and yeah, yeah, we can. Because again, we're very comfortable with each other and we respect each other, but we know that, Hey, you know what? I want to try to learn. I want to, you know, every time I talk with you, I want to try to learn something. I'm going to try. And there's, there's a level of sales that goes beyond the transaction. And that's what we're trying to get. My whole objective is I want to earn the, the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to meet with anybody I talk to again. That's my whole goal. My objective is to be one of the better parts of their day. I don't want to be their best part. I'll leave that for their spouse, their significant other, their kids, whatever. But if I can be one of the better parts of each person's day when I have a conversation, I've done my job. I've done my job. I I, I love what you said. That's a beautiful quote, actually. There's a level of sales that goes beyond the sale. That's because, just, that's a deep phrase. That's a deep phrase. I well, love that it, phrase. It is a deep phrase because here's the whole thing. The only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. That's what our goal is. And, and we don't close sales. We open relationships. I hate the word closing sales. I hate that we open relationships. And my objective is I never want to take any type of a relationship and not build on. Now, believe me, I've stumbled and fallen over more relationships than you'll ever care to imagine. We've all made mistakes. And you pick yourself up and you carry on. But here's the whole thing. 
we have to realize that at the end of the day, and I talk about it in my book, I talk about a couple of individuals who influenced my life significantly. 30, 40 years later, I still, when I get into a situation, I will think back as to what they would do. You know what? One, of, me, what, one of those people yeah. was, was Phil Groff. Phil Groff was the manager of the first McDonald's I worked at. Man, I was 16 years of age going to work at a McDonald's. Now, Phil wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was this was this before the beef? This was this was this was two all uh, two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Okay. No, yeah. no. Was it was it before your beef job? The first oh, yeah. one. Oh yes. Oh yes. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. I I was 16 years of age. Yeah. 16, okay. 16, 16 years of age, and 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 Phil had a level, he, he was teaching me things about leadership and communication and organization skills that, that I never, I, I'd never been exposed to. Now he wasn't knowledgeable. Oh, I got to train this guy up. No, he was just doing his job. What's interesting is when I was in college, I had the privilege of managing the second highest volume McDonald's in the world, in the world. Now, Phil didn't train me for that. I just happened to fall into it. But think about this. If Phil had not done what he did, I would never have had the foundation to do what I was doing. What was one thing that Phil did that still resonates with you or just you think about once in a while? He always had the ability to listen. Listen, regardless of the situation, he listened and he remained calm. There was a certain cerebralness about him. And 16-year-old kids, you can be a lot of drama. He just remained calm and he listened. Hmm. But what did he do? It allowed him to connect and his organizational skills, his time management skills, his his ability to just make things happen and subconsciously motivate people, motivate people to do more. Wow. He was yeah. a guy you wanted to hang out with. You know, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, the the calm cerebral part, because as we get older, we know that getting emotional does no good, especially as a leader. Being more cerebral allows you to calm that part, that reptilian brain down so you can actually think, cognitively be aware of what's going on. And that allows you to ask better questions and drill down to the root. And this is for the millennials or anybody younger than the millennials, because millennials are almost like 30, 40s now. But it's like, that's the toughest skill to learn is to calm down. Let's walk through it. Right. The sun will still... I, I, I used to have this. I, I used to have an expression... Uh, when people would come to me when I was in my corporate role, people would come to me with challenges and problems and so forth. I go, hey, hold it. Nothing we do here today is going to change the course of mankind tomorrow. <laughs> Just relax. You know, yeah. I mean, Warren Buffett uh, has a great line. He says, there's no need to swing at a pitch until the ball's over the plate. That's right. I had a guy, I got to tell you, I had a moment. You know, how sometimes it's, it's a moment that just passes by. And at the moment, it doesn't mean anything. But upon reflection later on, you go, oh, that's what he meant. And I remember I was just first job out of college. I was walking. I was running basically down the hallway because I had to do something. I forgot what the task was. And there comes this guy strolling, older guy. His name was Leroy Albrecht. Still remember his name. Leroy says, why are you rushing, Victor? As I was running by. So I got to get this done. He goes, never rush. And he just kept strolling. And I'm like, you know, like you idiot, you know, leave me alone. I got to get this done. And it is the later in my life that I go, I understand Leroy's. I'm going to call that Leroy's rule from now on. Never rush. Always walk. Says just got to walk in vector. And what he was saying is that, you know, this whole speeding to get something done. Sometimes it's all about just walking to the corner. You don't have to run to the corner. Just walk into the corner. What do you talk to me about patience in this game? Patience is so critical, especially when it comes to negotiating, especially when it comes to the price. I mean, it's amazing. We, we get into this panic mode. Oh, I'm not getting the response I want, like right now, this instant out of a customer. So what do I do? I, I offer a discount. I go and do. I go and say something stupid. Just calm down. Just relax. And is, as you say, we're not going to change the world. We're not going to change the course of mankind. And I think if you have that relaxed attitude, it allows you to manage your mental stress for the day better. Without a doubt, because now what you're doing is if you believe in the outcome you can create for the customer, there may it may just come and be a little more time required for the customer to understand that outcome because they're not thinking at the same level you are. You know, they're not thinking at the same speed. Just relax. Just be chill. Calm. Chill. Mark. 
We got to wrap this up, brother, man. We got to wrap this up. We can keep going on, but let the folks know why they should buy your book. I'm going to highly recommend it because I've read it. A Mind for Sales. Why should they buy this book? Why? Who needs this book, Mark? Well, who needs it is because it's going to change your mindset. You know, I came out with this book the end of March, which is right as the pandemic was getting going. And it really, I mean, people said, how did you write the book so quickly for the pandemic? And I go, well, I'd written it the year before. Because it, it it changes your mindset as to how you look at sales. And right now, more than ever, sales is under assault because it's changed. It, it It's so much harder to get out and physically meet people and trade shows and conferences and so forth. So we're doing more over Zoom and so forth and, and all these challenges. And it plays with your mind. And what I tell you is this, hey, you got to be in the game for the long game. Too many people, especially right now in pandemic, what they're doing is they're playing the short game. And when you play the short game, you know what you're doing? You got a shovel and you're digging a hole. Play the long game. Change it from a shovel to a hoe. Don't dig the hole till the field. That's how your business is going to be better off. That that Nebraska part of you just came out again. That's what that it was. was. Totally, <laughs> that was totally off the wall. That was totally random. That's the first time I've ever said that one. Mark, where can they find out more information about you? Well, hey, the website is thesaleshunter.com. Yes, that's my real last name. I know people always have, what was your name before you? No, thesaleshunter.com. The book you can buy on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, bookstores, wherever fine books are sold. There you go. Mark, I want to thank you for being on the Sales Influence Podcast. For my listeners and viewers, please leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you find me. And when you get a chance, go to thesaleshunter.com. And after you do that, check out the Sales Velocity Academy. You know what the deal is. Over 50 courses, 500 videos. If you want to increase your sales velocity, get your mind right with Mark. Get your sales right with me. And that combination is win-win. And on that note, this is Victor Antonio, always reminding you, selling hard when you know how. Take care.